This is Sam Sports Podcast. I am back today. We're going to be talking about Philadelphia 76ers. And I have a special guest, Sixers season ticket holder for 45 years. He was there when Chocolate Thunder broke the backboard. He was there for the championship run in 83. He was there when Iverson was there in the 01 playoff run. My father, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, welcome to the program. Hey, Sam. How are you? I am you're very well. You're, you're absolutely right. I was there and I was in the front row. <sighs> God. Right up, up close and personal, seeing all these things live. Would you like to know how I got that front row seat? I would love to know how you got that front row seat. Tell me about it. Well, I'm a veterinarian, and I take care of dogs and cats. And in 1972, mm-hmm. Gene Shue was the coach of the Sixers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me in the middle of the night, and he told me that his dog, Beauty Shoe, was running in the backyard and had injured herself, gotten a pretty good laceration. And I said, well, come on over. It was two in the morning and he brought her over and I put her back together. Late night call. I would say. And he was very appreciative. He says, is there anything I can do for you? I said, I've always wanted front row seats at the Sixers. He said, well, if you pay for them, I'll get them for you. That's. And the next day... The Sixers called me, and uh, 45 years later, I have those same seats. New building, new building, but same seats, same location. Just that one moment in time that uh, changed the course of your life forever. Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but <laughs> it, it made a big difference, yeah. Well, uh, I certainly want to get into these lovely memories that f- – Fantastic story. Thanks for sharing that, Dad. Uh, But let's jump right into it. I want to talk about the Sixers. I want to talk about what's going on with them right now. Um, Give me your opinion of Jaleel Okafor. What has been working with him? What hasn't been working with him? Just your impression so far in his first season. Well, there are some surprises. I don't think it's any surprise that he's a talented player. He's a big, strong kid. Um, He was thrown into the big city in Philadelphia. He was not supervised very well because he is young. So we know there have been some off-court antics uh, that the Sixers were unhappy about. Yeah. Uh, The NBA was unhappy about it. Yeah. It looked looked uh, bad. It it did impact his play a bit because it got into his head. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a kid. He's 19 years old. He is, and it was not handled well by the Sixers mm-hmm. either. Uh, that being said, uh, he is a very talented kid. Mm-hmm. He's strong. He's big. Mm-hmm. He has wonderful moves uh, under the basket. And he's coming from a great program out of college. He's coming from a great program, uh, but he is inter- inexperienced. He has to be mentored. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt that the Gasol brothers took him to school when mm-hmm. uh, he played against both of them, they hung back. They waited for him to make his moves, and then they uh, blocked his shots. And there's really uh, you know, is, no veterans on this team. Uh, they, they brought in Elton Brand recently, but that's been the only movement the Sixers have made towards having any, anybody over the age of, what, 25? Well, it's not only that. Uh, big men are a special breed. 
Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice, a lot of the NBA teams specifically have the uh, Patrick Ewing type of mentors mm-hmm. to work with their big men. Mm-hmm. And that has been the case over the years across the league. Yeah, I you think uh, ex- Kareem ex- came ex- in on the Lakers for Andrew Bynum back when uh, 09, 2010, when they were winning titles. I think he came in and played that role. Exactly. And this is what uh, Okafor needs. And this is the move that was just made recently with Elton Brand. They need somebody that knows how to mix it up underneath, knows how to get their body into position, uh, knows how to stay within their game. Mm-hmm. And academically, it's easy to discuss that with young players, mm-hmm. but there has to be somebody pointing things out uh, for them. So that's a good move. What Okafor you- is talented. Mm-hmm. He's definitely in the running for the rookie of the year. His numbers mm-hmm. are are Strong. very, very good. I, yeah, I mean, he scores uh, 18, 19, 20 points a game. He gets five or six rebounds. Uh, his defense is weak, but defense can be taught. Mm-hmm. And uh, his work ethic is decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that his off-the-court antics are under control, although I'm unhappy that the uh, episodes that he got involved with uh, were not... Um, they weren't handled uh, right. They weren't yes, handled and right. also he was I mean, not totally... it came out on totally, TMZ. That does not look good. Yeah, but he was not totally a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I have ridden across the Ben Franklin Bridge from New Jersey <laughs> to Philadelphia. It's, it's pretty about, hard. Uh, it's about three quarters of a mile. It's three or four lanes. <laughs> Uh, wide. Um, it's pretty it's hard bicycle. to get up to 108 miles yes, per hour. Yes, bicycles pass you when you ride across this bridge. Uh, <laughs> so to get up over 100 miles an hour on this bridge uh, is really, that takes in my skill. mind, it, yeah, it's either a death wish or, or an indication of tremendous stupidity. <laughs> um, but that being said, there's no doubt that uh, Okafor is an asset if he is handled correctly. How do you think he's been working with Noel? Well, that's another rough patch. Nerland's uh, Noel, just the they, whole. I mean, what do you think of him this season? What it, steps forward, steps backward, regression, progression? Well, a lot of it has to do with expectation. First of all, he mm-hmm. is a bit bigger. He's put up on some more weight. Mm-hmm. He was thin and not particularly strong. Mm-hmm. But also, let's understand that Nerland's Noel is not in the same. A talent category as an Okafor mm-hmm. or an Embiid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noel, uh, I don't know if I would say a work in progress, but he's certainly an evolving player. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I mean, he's, us- we've seen him get knocked around in a few games. Where he well, he really... came to the he came to the Sixers with no offense, not able to ju- shoot a jump shot, mm-hmm. and not able to make uh, any more than amateurish moves to the hoop. Just a and lot of has height clearly, and talent. Well, he's clearly improved. He's evolving. He's getting better. And there was never any doubt that he could get up in the air, that mm-hmm. he could block shots. Mm-hmm. You know, he he looked a, a, a lot um, like some of the shot blockers of yore. Mm-hmm. And I think the Sixers were kind of saying that they would be happy if he became a defensive uh, force yeah, and block shots. And was, shots. was maybe an early-on draft pick for the Sixers with uh, 
Sam Hinkie. That, that kind of happened in that first season right after he took over. It was a little splashy. They moved Drew Holiday away. They brought in a big man. And, you know, he was a project even then. He was injured. He was young. And there's just a lot of potential with him. And, you know, you said an expectation. That's what's the expectation of him now? And I think there's just a feeling that at least he can be a defensive presence. And hopefully we get that and maybe a little bit more. I think that's exactly right. He was never meant to carry a team. Mm-hmm. He was never mm-hmm. meant to be a franchise player. Mm-hmm. Um, everything above uh, keeping his turnovers down and playing good defense is icing on the cake. Because remember, he came in uh, in along with Embiid, and they thought that uh, Embiid was going to be the second coming, and mm-hmm. uh, Noel would compliment him. Mm-hmm. So. Right now, uh, they try to get Okafor and Noel on the floor at the same time. It hasn't really been working well. Mm-hmm. But Noel is uh, producing. If you mm-hmm. look at his rebounds, uh, they're just where they should be. He hustles. Um, he uh, plays some uh, decent defense. Mm-hmm. He's weak. He's getting moved around by the big players. Um that being said, he can play on NBA teams in this league. He can't start on NBA teams in this league. Uh, that's where the 76ers come in because we can have a whole debate as to whether they're an NBA team. <laughs> I see them as, as possibly winning the D League, but that would be a, that would be a push too. <laughs> what do you think of Covington? So Covington, I think, is one of the guys on the Sixers, one of the few personnel on the team that – has an ability to be exciting, to spark some offensive play. I think he's had a few games this season where he's really put up 20 or 30 points. Um, He's got the three-point shot, uh, but is he just going to be another Sam Hinkie casualty of someone who will get, you know, shoved off in a year or two to make room, or is he going to be a building block? Well, uh, understand, he's a talented kid. Mm -hmm. He was the D-League player of the year. Mm-hmm. And he can shoot threes. But when you have a team like this, somebody has to be the star. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to end up with points. Yeah, You know that Covington, on any other top-level team in the league, a would be play. coming off the bench you know, for yeah. eight to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works very hard. Mm-hmm. He can play some defense. He can make some moves to the basket. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to quote Chris Rock, you're supposed to do those things if you're in the NBA. <laughs> And uh, I like him, mm-hmm. uh, but he's somebody that I really think has the potential to have some trade value for the Sixers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, it's clear the other leagues or uh, the other teams around the league see that this is a ball player mm-hmm. that can assist them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's certainly not somebody that's going to step up and make a difference uh, in a team. He's not going to be the one or two go-to player, he's not going to occupy the role yeah. that he does now. He's going to hit some threes and make some exciting plays and get the crowd going and, uh, you know, put the do, shoulder the offensive burden that someone needs to shoulder on that Sixer team. And, and, and it must be said, this kid works hard. Yeah. He has a great work ethic yeah. and he works hard mm-hmm. and he's going to get better. Yeah. But how many players around the league do we have that started with the Sixers and ultimately moved on and got better mm-hmm. and became names in the league? Iguodala. Uh, you, uh, Igu- well, finals Igu- MVP last year. 
Well, yes, except Iguodala was the Sixers player, go-to player that had to carry the team on his shoulders. And he you and I that. know that uh, Iguodala is not a, a player that carries the team on his shoulders, but when you use him properly. When you make you him s- the, the third or fourth option on a championship team, which is what he was last year. And you can go to many Sixer uh, players. Kyle Korver that, out, out in Atlanta right now. Exactly, because <laughs> Kyle Korver – Buy, they buy him some space because they have an inside threat, and they mm-hmm. dish, and they let him sit there and shoot, and he does that very well. You know, when he was on the tangent. when he was on the Sixers, mm-hmm. you know, he was the focus. They weren't letting him breathe. Yeah, they they let him shul- again another time when the Sixers were bad, and they let someone shoulder the offensive burden. They let Kyle Korver shoot all he wanted when he was here in Philadelphia. Listen, we can even go back to Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> Great player came to the Sixers. He had to carry this team. It was and then tough. He, and then he went to Utah and, uh, and, and, and made his name with Stockton and Malone. I mean, some people carry teams. Iverson carries a team. Dr. Mm-hmm. J carries a team. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Sixers designated these people to carry their teams because they had nobody else. Uh, but but which, that, that's the past. Ish Smith. Uh, so they bring back Ish Smith. They pretty much let him walk. He just left, and they uh, so Colangelo comes in. He trades two of these sec- future second round picks, which Sam Himke has been, you know, almost trying to to hoard like squirrels going into hibernation uh, to bring Ish Smith back, and it sparks some offense. I mean, I think they just needed some point guard play, period, since nobody was on the team who could actually play point guard. What do you think of Ish Smith? What do you think of all this that's happened? Well, you and I have talked about Ish Smith. Um, Once again, he's a solid, hardworking guard who would start on one half of the teams in the NBA. Mm -hmm. To the Sixers, he's the second coming. Mm -hmm. He tries to keep turnovers down. If Mm -hmm. you give him a little room, he'll get to the basket. Yeah. I mean, he's an NBA level guard. NBA level guards don't end up in having uh, ball clubs that have over 500 seasons. Yeah. So we're yeah. very excited in Philadelphia because he's actually not a D league guard. He's an NBA level guard. Mm-hmm. It's clear that the Sixers misjudged misjudged his potential. Yeah. And that's on them. Yeah. And he's back now, and he is assisting. But and let's not uh, go overboard. Uh, and you know, this is. This is not exactly uh, the Warriors or the Thunder backcourt. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I don't know if I could have put it better myself. Uh, it seems more like they needed point card play so bad it was like giving you know water to somebody in the desert. Uh, I mean, simply someone there to facilitate the ball to Noel and Okafor when I think all they had was, what, T.J. McConnell and, and Isaiah Kanan? And uh, they were using them, and they were working with them, and they actually thought that they were going to produce NBA results with them. And until Colangelo came in, uh, that was the plan, and that that was uh, upsetting. Don't get me started on Michael Carter-Williams. Good or bad trade right now? What do you think? Well, retrospectively, it's a bad trade because we sat around for a year. Now, that's part of last year. And this year, without a, a guard that other teams really had to key on. Yeah. I mean, Carter Williams didn't fit into the game plan. No. But he's still a, a six-foot, six-inch guard who could shoot, who uh, took some risks, mm-hmm. and is 
and has evolved as a player. And and is someone who's going to grow with his talent. He's a talented guy, rookie of the year, who is going to bring something. And how much money would it really have cost to keep him in Philadelphia? Well, the, the, the Sixers pissing away money. <laughs> Is, is is nothing new. I, well i don't even think that they're they're working on trying to not piss away money they're working on i mean they're struggling to get up to the 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 salary cap floor you well, know this that was, they're still that playing javel mcgee 12 million dollars in dead money this season and yeah, i think he the, might be one of their highest paid players on the roster yes he never set foot in the city never um yeah. this is part of their grand plan yeah the grand which, plan which i think is starting to shake out before us well I, uh, it, it was a grand disaster there were some bad breaks yeah this it's is true mb uh, mb has the potential to be a, a monster this is a really big ball player mm-hmm. he's wide he's strong he has soft hands mm-hmm. but you know when these big men have trouble with their feet especially especially with these tarsal bones when it starts this early it, it, you know, do they come back? Do they not come back? Does yeah. it plague them their whole career? I mean, yeah. Yao Ming was plagued his whole career with and, this. And, you know, he hit that pinnacle, but then the big men like that, they, they just have a shorter window, and it closed on a Yao Ming. Or a, I mean, we could talk about, you know, Bill Walton. and and. No, we're looking for a window at all. I yeah. uh, Nobody knows if Embiid is going to uh, set foot you know, I mean, in an uh, NBA, are we in an under NBA are we game. under the expectation that he's going to play next year? I well, am. that that's that's what everybody would hope. He is making progress. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to be a monster. I mean, maybe he, he could be Elgoskis. You know, Elgoskis had what thirty surgeries on his feet and missed about four seasons, but then he proceeded to play something like six or seven years uninterrupted. Yeah, but imagine a functional Embiid and an Okafor. Yeah, that's you know. Then, then you start to get, then you start to get some personnel that other players of quality would say, "Hey, I might be interested in playing with these guys." Like maybe an older, more seasoned guard saying, "Hey, I can get those guys the ball." Because right now the Sixers have the money; they can yeah. pay anybody. They can pay. Nobody yeah, wants, nobody, nobody wants, wants to, to play come. there. I mean, uh, so. You know, well, this brings me to Brett Brown. Now, let's talk about Brett Brown because let's say Embiid and Oka, let's say Embiid is healthy, Okafor is healthy, Noel's healthy. Is Brett Brown the guy to put all those guys on the floor and work together? Well, I have mixed feelings. Yeah, uh, he just got a contract extension. That was one of the first things that happened after Colangelo extension. came in. That was a, a little bit of surprise. Uh, you and I, and uh, and your brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, we sat down uh, and had a personal meeting with Brett Brown. Yeah. You know, just uh, the was the four of us. It was a special occasion. It was a special occasion, but the Sixers were nice enough to make him available to us. And there's not a, a more knowledgeable or a nicer fellow. Mm-hmm. And he certainly uh, was very receptive to our questions because we were blunt. Mm-hmm. We asked him when he was going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. He said... In three years, mm-hmm. we asked him why these uh, Sixers can't win, mm-hmm. and he said because basically we've got a bunch of kids playing against a bunch of men. Yeah, I mean we we go into the details, but that yeah. was uh, what he told us. He's like, us. I'm just trying to get them to run hard, play hard, and not turn the ball over. Now that being said, 
my issue with uh, Coach Brown, uh, and I say this, you know, with, in my best uh, Woody Allen, with all due respect, um, <laughs> coaches can influence some things. They mm-hmm. can't put the ball in the hoop. They can't score for their ball players. They can't hit, hit three point shots. Mm-hmm. But they can see that their uh, ball players uh, limit their turnovers. Yeah. And when their offense is designed appropriately, it puts them in less risk situations and mm-hmm. they do have less turnovers. And they also can work harder, play better defenses, uh, be aware of their rotations uh, before they uh, they come on top of them and destroy them. Um, the things so that this coach should be, you know, a good helping coach, these young players towards. A good coach can see that his ball club has limited number of turnovers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. plays strong defense. Mm-hmm. That is what a coach can do. A coach can't score. Yeah. You know, uh, a coach can't necessarily stop the LeBron Jameses and the Steph Currys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but he's you know, got to be able to have his team. He's got to prepare them to give them the best shot that they can to right. try. Years to ago, that. it was the Will Chamberlain theory. Yeah. You know? No one could stop Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. They said, give him his points. They gave him his 50 points. But it, 100 points won a game, and they tried mm-hmm. to stop everybody else. Um, all I'm saying is that uh, Coach Brown has not gotten this team to perform in areas where they are capable of performing. And he's from the Greg Popovich Spurs organization. Uh, Do you see any Greg Popovich coaching in how Brett Brown approaches? Or are we still walking that fine line of he just still doesn't have the personnel? I mean, Budenholzer is out in Atlanta with the Hawks, and he's from the same Spurs, Greg Popovich coaching tree organization he's been producing with that Hawks team now granted the Hawks team have a team uh, but you know how long do we go before we're saying you know how good a coach is Brett Brown I mean he's I mean if you want to look at the numbers there's a lot of losses in his record but uh, what do you think well we know that he has a team with very little talent Mm -hmm. we also know there's not a whole lot of NBA level coaches that would want to put themselves in this position. Mm-hmm. You also know that Colangelo is an older gentleman. He's yeah. not ready to go down into that locker room on that bench every night no. with all of the traveling and the horseshit that goes on with these young players and uh, coach them. He needs a bench coach, mm-hmm. and Brett Brown is someone that they respect and that the players like. And for that reason, I don't think he's gone. Essentially, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's a, a good analogy. Actually, it's a bad analogy, but I'm thinking of the Steve Kerr, Luke Walton mm-hmm. uh, thing. You know, Steve Kerr was compromised and he took an inexperienced uh, young uh, student, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Walton. Mm-hmm. And gave him the he, keys to the car. He gave him the keys. He said, this is what I want you to do. And, of course, Luke Walton uh, uh, has the keys to a Ferrari. He doesn't have the <laughs> keys to an 86 Gremlin. So uh, there was an excellent result there. That's mm-hmm. why I think Brett Brown uh, still has his job. If you'll yes. notice, his assistants are changing uh, more quickly than the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you think that's that's his uh, influence, trying to find the right mix of No, guys? no. This is all Colangelo and gotcha. uh, D'Antonio. Gotcha. This Antonio, is, is how much influence do you really feel that Colangelo, D'Antoni, 
I mean, are they in control or is, I mean, what is, is, is Hinky Listen, still doing? Listen, I think they're working as a group. Uh, yeah. the, they, are, they were brought in there to make decisions and be in control. Mm-hmm. The Sixers got to be an embarrassment in the NBA. Absolutely. When the commissioner has to step in and speak to the owner and say, listen, you're killing us here. Yeah. There's some changes that have to be made. You either make them or I'll make them for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really think when I've seen that. I mean, look at what happened out in Cleveland. I, this is a coach that's winning games. Yeah, let's this is talk a coach that's this. dealing with, you know, one of the premier teams in the league. Uh, yeah. And there were some uh, wrinkles in his style and his player interaction, I, and that's all it took for him to get the boot. I read a very long article today on ESPN. It was uh, fantastic, really breaking down kind of the whole timeline of the David Blatt tenure in Cleveland and how it was kind of marred from the beginning. It sounds it as was though... A bad, it was a bad decision to start with. I with believe those, with Cleveland hired him before LeBron said he wanted to come back. That may that's, be... that, that's why... It was destined. It was always destined. Yeah, to this fail. guy was in over his head. He's he's working with some of the biggest, best players in the NBA, and not you know these are huge players. But with them comes huge. I mean, I don't want to say egos. I want to say personalities. These are big personalities, and when you're dealing with LeBron, it's not just your record on the line. It's also LeBron's reputation, his his persona. I mean. There but was also, a lot of swing Sam, that happened when they got blown out by the Warriors. Sam, they're, they're also winning in spite of themselves. Yes. Um, that team, when you watch them, they are clearly underperforming. Yes. They yes. play one-on-one basketball. Mm-hmm. They don't move the ball well. Mm-hmm. They don't use Kevin Love right. I have to lay a lot of this at the feet of the coach. Or the coach. But I also have to... Uh, have to say that they aren't playing the contemporary game that allows you to win championships. Mm-hmm. You have to play ball like the Spurs. You have to play ball like the Warriors. Mm-hmm. It has to be an unselfish game. This ball has to move around quickly. Mm-hmm. You have to have three-point shooters uh, that are a threat. And as you can see, I love big men. Yeah, I respect big men. Yeah, But you see that the— uh, The NBA is changing. The, the Warriors are playing with with two slightly above average uh, big men. Draymond Green and uh, no, no, I'm talking about. Are you talking uh, about Andrew Bogut and Harrison Barnes? No, no Andrew Bogut and uh, his backup. Uh, is Azili Festus Azili. Now, now the, these. I mean, Draymond Green is the future. He's this power forward who can do everything we're talking about forwards i'm talking about the centers you're talking about the centers i'm talking about the centers in this league which are Um, a bit of a dying breed in their own way well not when you start using them properly the gasols are still thriving and surviving yeah they are these guys couldn't beat me down the floor in a foot race (laughs) but they are smart they're they're part of offenses that move the ball and Mm -hmm. look for centers that can pass Mm mm-hmm and also uh, centers, especially the European centers, These they can guys. actually shoot foul shots. Mm-hmm. They I can mean, step back Porzingis, and jump shots. Porzingis is seven feet tall, right? He's hitting three-point shots. Yeah, I think he – I saw him recently. He's, he's a lot bigger than seven feet. Seven, <laughs> three, or four. And hey, he, Phil and Jackson – And he's a kid. Phil he's Jackson hit a home run with this kid. He's – I think there's going to – I think we're going to see a, a torch passing between – Carmelo and uh, and Chris Stapps 
the zinger what are they they're zinging something new names are coming out for him yeah he's uh he's something he's else. fun he's fun to watch but understand that that Carmelo's game is totally different oh, Carmelo, yeah. Carmelo and also the one game. thing you could be sure about Carmelo is he's going to give you a great evening of basketball and he's never going to play on a team that wins anything <laughs> Um, with all due respect. With all due respect, Carmelo Anthony. I, he is an excellent show. Doesn't always mean a W. Um, real quick, Teron Liu taking over as the Cavaliers head coach. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Well. We know this, that the this, team this, likes this, him. He's really, these, apparently LeBron's a big fan. Well, whether LeBron's a fan or not, I don't know if that really impacts the ultimate results. You have to understand they've got no place to go but up. This is a 38-year-old assistant coach Mm -hmm. who really had a lot of the head coach responsibilities thrust on him. If Mm -hmm. you're reading the backstories Mm -hmm. of what is going on in Cleveland. About he was stepping in at times out. He was advising Blatt on on strategy. And, you know, when you're the second banana, the dynamics are a little different than when Blatt is gone and suddenly – he has to step in. And he has to draw up a play in the fourth quarter against James Golden State. And, and love that he's unhappy with them. So I have to say that uh, this is a very risky change mm-hmm. because this is a pivotal time in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cavaliers are not looking particularly good. Uh, they're winning on on muscle and yeah. talent. And, uh, and, just, and just have better players than everyone else right now. That's right. But you see what happens when they run up against the Spurs and the Warriors. Yeah. And I'm not sure that Lou is going to suddenly have this team uh, passing six times before somebody shoots. Yeah. That's Um, not going to magically appear after the All-Star break. Let let me say that I'm skeptical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the Warriors and the Spurs, on the other hand? The two teams that should be winning everything and are winning everything. I well, think the you Spurs' know, the amazing is, record is being overshadowed by how good the Warriors are, but they're both well, playing they're fantastic the same team. basketball. They're the same team. One team is 10 years younger than the other, so you know what happens. <laughs> they, I, I, I mean, the Spurs, how many more years do we have left of the Spurs? The Spurs are sort of like that car that you have with 185,000 miles that you absolutely love, mm-hmm. and you drive it around. And, it's still and then one just... day it stops working. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know when it's going to uh, they, stop. They, ju- they just brought in LaMarcus and Kawhi. They, maybe they just put a new engine in that car. Well, LaMarcus <laughs> and Kawhi are phenomenal players. Have you? Uh, what well, you, you... Know, you know that depth is ultimately what leads you mean, to You mean David uh, West and finals. Ginobili coming off the bench? Who is that? David West and Ginobili coming off the bench. Listen, I like them. How many minutes do they have left in them? They're smart. Mm-hmm. Do you? But um, I watched. I watched the Warriors last night. Wow, I was watching it too. It that was, ball moves around so fast they have to use a slow motion replay just to see where it went. Curry is so good. He's so good at shooting the ball. He's just fantastic. He's he's an amazing it's player. It's true. It's but so pretty. There's, and, and 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 it's true. I was on the floor half the time, you know, from my seat to the floor. You're just the you're things he was doing. Jaw dropping what he does. 
It is, but you know there's five or six jaw-dropping players in this league. Mm -hmm. No, of course. I mean, Kevin Durant is playing at that caliber, and so is Russell Westbrook, the two of them. Yeah. It's Um, how they're integrated into the offense that makes the jaw-dropping player a champion versus an also-round. I'm I'm also curious uh, from the Oklahoma City perspective how well the new coach isn't it Billy Donovan coaching the Thunder? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's another example of kind of a new rookie NBA coach being saddled with a another huge team. But uh, you know, in, in in a strange way, I almost feel like it's not being publicized as much. Maybe because it's Oklahoma City. Maybe because it's not LeBron's team. Um, but they seem to be winning. They seem to have a good. Uh, pedigree on that team have you um have you seen any of their basketball think about it i mean have they been how much have they been on on uh, i have National seen TV? them you know they've had more of their share of superstar injuries yeah yeah it's and, true. That's true. Uh, it, it makes it makes a difference it really does but even if you look at look at the spurs and look at the warriors they what are they doing they watch the minutes on their on their yeah. older players and their superstars even if it if it means uh, a loss in the short term these uh, several losses the Warriors have, they didn't have to be losses. Yeah. They had to sit Draymond Green. They had, they to, had sit to sit Curry. Curry. Because I think and, he had a uh, shoot. You know, uh, Bill Simmons, I was listening to him on his podcast the other day. He mentioned how uh, I think he looked at some statistics from 10, 15 years ago and just some of the the greats on the teams just averaged more minutes during the course of the season. Like there's a little bit of a kind of an evolution of – you know, health knowledge and conditioning. We're seeing that the season is a marathon that you need to conserve your players over the course of the season, and that it it usually leads to you know a better playoff performance and and being healthier in time uh, when you need to be healthier. It's not only that; it's the coach and how much respect the coach gets from these players. Because mm-hmm. when you tried to sit Iverson, yeah, even with Larry Brown, wow. he got yeah. up in his face and not, they had arguments. That was not you okay. Tried if you tried to, to sit Iverson. Sit Jordan. He got up in Phil Jackson's face. Uh, these, you know, you don't get up in Popovich and Kerr's face. No, no, because you uh, you they, know, they've earned it. He's got a lot of players on this team, and uh, if you don't like the way things are are going, he'll pull another one out. They actually have benches with players who are just as good as people that are on the floor, mm-hmm. and that's not true with a, a lot of other teams. Yeah, and uh, I think a coach has to say, listen. I need you at crunch time. Mm-hmm. I need you not to be injured. I mm-hmm. need you not to be fatigued. And because of that, you're not playing Monday night, and you're only playing 26 minutes on Thursday. And uh, take it from me, if you have any confidence in me as your coach, that's the way we're going to win titles. Yeah. And you can't have the, uh, the Carmelos and the LeBrons uh, going to their coach and say, no, I'm good, coach. It's okay. Yeah. Do you um uh who do you think is going to win it all this year? Are you thinking Warriors? The yeah, Warriors I think again? I. Uh, the, yeah. Listen, it, the Warriors and the Spurs are your impressive teams, and uh, the Warriors ha- still have the young legs and the depth. I mean, uh, the, Kawhi Leonard scares me. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. he he is scary, dangerous, and and uh, so good and young, and that's why I almost. Wonder if the I don't think we're going to see a sunset on this Spurs dynasty. I think it will change once we, you know, Tim finally departs the the league. But uh, except in this league, 
Whereas some years ago, the big men, the dominant big men, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the Hakeem Olajuwon's and uh, the great big men really made the difference and dominated the league. And even a young Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. a Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal. That's not the case anymore. Your big men are important. Mm-hmm. Your big men are part of the success of these teams, but no longer are they an obstacle that even when they're very good, that they can't be overcome. Yes, they can be overcome. So that's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's evidenced, uh, you know, by the Spurs. It's evidenced by the Warriors, uh, the success of the the Warriors. Look at uh, who's, who's the center man for the thunder. Uh, Ibaka. Is it Ibaka? You mean when he's stepping outside, I mean, you know, and what's Dwight Howard doing? Dwight Howard is, is uh, he's his here play some is nights. Dipping. He's not here other nights. Yeah, he blocks his shots, but sometimes he you know make he'll a difference in his in his team winning. Yeah. And uh, you get and you get some of these big men in here that can't shoot foul shots, and you're seeing this, you know, hack a big man, mm-hmm. and um, it hurts the game a lot. And the game is evolving and changing. Yeah. Um, listen, I want to, uh, I want to hit a couple of important things, which, uh, are just great moments. I love checking in with you about because they're epic moments in, you know, sports Sixers history. So I mentioned it before. I got to mention it again, chocolate thunder, Daryl Dawkins, he breaks the backboard. You were there. You saw this. Is this Actually? Correct? Yes. He broke the backboard twice <laughs> before, before they went to the. Breakaway rims before, and this was before they had like don't they didn't have a backup backboard in the in the no, arena. Well, who who thought anyone was going to go and break a backboard? I mean, he was a big kid, you know. He was six ten, mm-hmm. you know. He was two seventy five, two eighty, probably three hundred, but he was two seventy five, <laughs> and you know he was showy, and he went up and uh, slammed the ball, grabbed the rim, pulled it toward him, and the whole backboard. It was in slow motion. It shattered, <laughs> and then it came down, and all the pieces came flying across the floor. And <laughs> I was up front, and the piece came under this. It was great. It came under the seat. the The whole arena was quiet. I, mean, I just couldn't believe what happened. The referees didn't know what to do, and they were, you know, they had to wheel out the uh, the backboard. I mean, this must have get... stopped the game for at least. 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Out and, you know, when they do. roll out a new backboard, isn't they say, let's play? They have these guide wires and they have to measure the rim oh, and then they have to make sure there's the right tension. I mean, it was a novelty, you oh. know, decades ago. <laughs> but it was something it was something to see. Now, Dr. J, there's a very famous Dr. J shot where he's kind of he's going out of bounds and he puts the shot up and he makes it from behind the backboard. Were you there for this game? Yes. You were at, the, yes. okay, you saw I'm that like as the, well. I'm like the 10,000-year-old man, you know. <laughs> I remember I invented standing in line. Everybody was milling around before that. I invented Why don't we make a line? line. Uh, yeah, I mean, One I of those moments about where it's, this. It's, Dr. J, I remember I had season tickets when Dr. J came to the Sixers. Uh, George McGinnis was their star back then. There was a question, could they work together because mm-hmm. they were both uh, superstars. And Dr. J came, and he was a great player. He was still not the player that he was in the NBA with the New Jersey Nets. That mm-hmm. was 
That was that was breathtaking a- and jaw dropping to see. Mm-hmm. And when he came to the Sixers, he was magnificent, but he still was just a tad off of his prime. Yeah. But he would leave the he would leave the floor at the foul line and many fast breaks and just glide in for that stuff. And I remember that play. He drove. Uh, he actually was driving from the right side. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards the baseline, and they rotated down on him, and he was already up in the air. And he saw that he didn't have any room on the right side of the basket. He glided across, extended his right arm to the other side of the basket, and flipped it up. And to tell you the truth, we see that now and then when we're watching with some of these players. These, these greats of, the, of, of modern day. Yes, but, but the grace with which he did it. And the length of his arms and his fingers. Almost moving uh, at a speed that was just faster than everyone else at that time. And it, it, it's indelible. You know, it's just, uh, it's just etched in my mind. And, of course, there's been many, uh, many replays of it. When oh, you yeah. go to the Sixers game, that's what the big uh, scoreboard is always uh, playing. Yeah. So I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's, it's not, I, don't, I think that's not just Sixers. That's one of those kind of everywhere NBA highlights. They're doing a montage before an NBA finals game and they're showing that. And, you know, that's a, that's, that's, that's a, that's a no crying in baseball hall of fame moment. I had tickets in their nine and 72 season. Oof. Believe it. The team, Oof. the team was as, as bad as this year's team, except they were not young kids. What? They were veteran players that were that bad. Is anybody who 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 was on that? Is there anyone you can remember from that team? Who the yeah, hell was Clyde that? Clyde Lee was their center. I don't have to say anymore. <laughs> who? <laughs> Everybody can go Google Clyde Lee, but that he was their center. We may not want to. <laughs> um, well, listen, uh, Dad. That's that's about all I got. I just want to talk some Sixers. I, I wanted to get back into some basketball. I know you got a lot of. Uh, input on the Sixers and what's been going on the the state of the the state of the Philadelphia basketball franchise and what they're doing with Hinky and Harris and Colangelo and all this um do you uh I guess the last question how do you do you feel optimistic about the rest of the season um well optimistic's a relative word you mean are they <laughs> going to show up and appear at the court each uh, night I imagine they are yeah um but they're probably will will they okay will they get more than nine wins this season? Um, they're going to win a game every ten games. So how many games are left? Uh, half a season's left. Yeah. So yeah. So so they're going to win another uh, five games. You know, okay. teams have off nights. They are improving. Mm-hmm. They're working hard. Mm-hmm. But uh, you have to remember, this is a... It's a D-League team. It's a D-League team. Uh, and to tell you the truth, Okafor, Okafor is a young NBA player. Yeah. So they but finally still, have some still, this is this is an overall D-League team. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think now uh, the Hinky experiment is a failure. Yeah. They're trying to see who they can salvage from this existing roster. Yeah. And then move forward. I think that's what they're trying to determine right now. They see that Ish uh, Ish Smith uh, is an NBA level player. They see that Noel and Okafor and Embiid, should he return, are players that can play in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Covington can play. Mm-hmm. He's also valuable as trade bait. As trade bait. And they, uh, um, you know, they're, after they're that, tr- they also they also have one or two other players, but but really, um, I mean, they're as making... somebody who ha- has paid for seasons tickets for forty five years. Ouch. Uh, ouch is right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I Last really, couple of seasons are really. really yeah, I really for cha- you know feel uh, shortchanged. And uh, they did take some risks, and their risks have not paid off. But there's something called a calculated risk. Yeah. And, and the Sam Hinkie experiment with his inaccess- inaccessibility to the media and yeah. to the fans, with his very, very unorthodox drafting. Yeah. And, and not uh, really positive. being out there in the press conferences and sort of shouldering the burden. There was a and lot of comment st- about that. with uh, stockpiling, you know, you know uh, draft picks, draft et picks. cetera. Uh, I'm not sure that this was a calculated risk that was calculated well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you got a lot of upset fans to, to, to deal with. And you know what? Sooner or later, upset fans really, I think – they can turn they can turn the direction of if even a you know you, i think it really matters to an owner and to an organization how their fans feel about them and Oof. the last couple of seasons i think they've seen their fans turn and leave and also empty seats empty seats say a lot yeah i mean it is a tipping point uh i all i have to do is say the name uh chip kelly so oh god oh uh, god there's another example of losing well a fan i'm base. just it, it's an example and another example of a of a of a manager sort of shirking responsibility and accountability you know hickey needed to get out there and say listen a lot of this was me you know i'm going to talk about okafor getting put on tmz and instead you got sort of brett brown making a quick conference before a game well, uh, Brett Brown is the whipping boy. Yeah, I think that's is. probably one of the reasons he has his job. Yeah. Because he's been uh, taking he it gets as long out as he there has. and he admits to all of these horrendous things. Mm-hmm. This he's lousy, lousy team, this young kids acting out, these losses for 40 or 50 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really can't do anything but. Um, but just step up and. But and feel, for, feel for him. He's yeah. a nice guy and he's working hard. I think that's the reason he's there. And it's a shame that it isn't like there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel where you're going to see uh, Brett Brown coaching a team that's uh, going to be in no. the playoffs. He's, I... His his fate is forged to this team. He's going to need to turn them into a competitor when they're supposed to be a competitor. And and I think that's his only way to to victory and opportunities in the future if it's not winning championships with and the Sixers. And knowing the Sixers, when they get to that point, they'll get rid of Brett Brown. Yeah, I and, think you're right. and they'll bring in, uh, you know, they'll bring in a name. They'll bring in Thibodeau or something. I don't know. I don't know Listen, if our team has. I don't know if our team has got the defensive prowess to play on a Thibodeau uh, team. But but that that's what I'm saying. So I guess none of the things I've said really are very. Make you feel Positive. optimistic about the rest of the season? <laughs> well, I can say the food at the Cadillac Grill is pretty decent. Ah, that's some. That's some. And the buffet in the Lexus Club is probably worth it. Okay, okay, that's something. That's that's a perk. <laughs> but you know, when that's what you're commenting about, when you're asking me about an NBA team, it's a bad uh, sign. I shouldn't have to say any more. Uh, well, well, listen. Let's not say any more. Uh, we could go on and on about grilling these guys, and not in a positive way with food. 
Dad, thanks a lot for talking to me. I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing some of your memories, sharing some uh, some stuff on the Sixers. And um, we'll be back again. We will. I guarantee I'll have you back on to talk more NBA and more Sixers. Um, uh, by the way, to everyone who's listening, um, subscribe to me on iTunes, subscribe to me on Stitcher, follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones, email me at SamSportsStation at Gmail, and Dad, uh, you have a website. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. That's uh, Was it VoorheesVet.com? Voorhees Vet. I am a veterinarian in Voorhees, New Jersey at the Voorhees Veterinary Center, and VoorheesVet.com is an area that can certainly help you help your pets. And I have my own podcast, not about sports, but if your dog's having some problem with his ears, tune in. Yeah, check out all of that on VoorheesVet.com. He's also on Twitter as well. I mean, check us out, and uh, we'll be talking more sports soon. Dad, thanks for coming on the show. Loved it, Sam. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay.